Welcome back to another episode of uh, Little Wars FM. This is the companion podcast to our YouTube channel, Little Wars TV, where we, we talk all things historical wargaming. My name is Greg. I'm joined today by one of my favorite co-hosts. Maybe, I don't know, maybe my favorite co-host, but I don't want him to get a big ego. Tom, Tom, how are you? I'm great, Greg. Good to see you and hear you. Yes, and uh, Tom, today you and I are joined by a, a special guest. Uh, we are joined from across the pond by uh, Andy Callen, who has been writing and designing war game rules for a very, very long time. And uh, I think we're, we're both pretty excited to, to talk to him about one of his latest projects and some of his previous work. That's right, a legend, a legend indeed. I Andy, couldn't enumerate all of his rules. I, I tried. <laughs> there are too many, yes. <laughs> How are you, Andy? I'm very good. Yes, um, you're quite right. I'm a historical wargamer, 67-year-old historical wargamer, retired university administrator, um, been playing wargames man and boy for 50 years. Uh, here I am now in a little town called Bingham, which is just east of Nottingham and south of Sherwood Forest. So it's the ideal place for somebody writing a medieval set of rules. And of course, Nottingham is world ground zero for uh, historical wargaming, home of... Um, well, Warhammer, the Perry, Perry Brothers, um, War Games Illustrated, and lots of little manufacturers. So, um, um, yeah, I'm hoping to keep going for at least another decade or so. Um, who knows what I'm going to come up with next? Um, I reckon I have been writing rules since I was about 14 years old, so that's 50 years plus. Uh, the very first set I ever wrote, there were only ever three copies because it was done on carbon paper. And this was even before the invention of uh, photocopiers. So that shows how, how antediluvian I am. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So then, then our first question is very appropriate because this is going to go back from before I was born. Right. Um, what, uh, what is the first uh, historical war game that you actually can remember playing? And uh, you know when uh, that would have been? I was been about 1968. It was as a, a local club. There, it, it was... Um, I'd seen an advert in a in a in a in a um, newspaper news news agent's window saying uh, wargaming interested in wargaming come along to such and such and it was a local tobacconist another vanished breed really I suppose and uh, he had a little warehouse and he'd set up a big sand table in the back in his back room which is about twelve foot long by about six foot wide and he'd set up a game of American Civil War using Britain's 54 mil uh, plastic um, plastic figures. So there are hundreds of them on this thing. And uh, it lit a little light bulb in my adolescent brain. And it's something uh, that's been glowing away ever since. So that was that was the start of it. I've never I've never actually achieved the uh, sand table. That was a bit of a dream in the early days of uh, wargaming. But it was utterly impractical because the damn things weighed a ton and uh, they were always losing sand all over the place. So they're very antisocial. No wife would ever put up with a sand table in the house. So. <laughs> I've never played on a sand table. I've actually never even seen one in person. Well, yeah, that, that was the way that used to be done. Um, but uh, we, we've, we, we've improved things since then a bit. Yeah. Okay, so I was 14, 14, so that's what? 53 years ago. Okay. No wow. And uh, it's not atypical for American Civil War to be the choice of uh, British uh, players of a certain age. We always wonder. Oh, I don't know. I think it was very popular. The thing is that um, 
they were the first, they were the war games arguably everybody, everybody could afford because of the Airfix um, 172nd range. Right. Uh, you could buy them for, you know, two shillings in, a, in the local Woolworths. And um, they were already blue and grey, so you didn't really <laughs> have to do much to them apart from touch, them up, touch up the muskets and put a bit of flesh here and there. Uh-huh. So you could have big armies quickly and everybody of my age will have cut their teeth on, on, those, uh, on those figures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, very good. Uh, moving to question two, uh, given all the books behind you, this may be a, yeah. a easily answered, but what, what is the source of most of your inspiration when you, when you get into a period or you say, I got to do this battle, I got to get it on the table? Yeah, I mean, it, it, is, it, is, it is the history books, really. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a failed historian. I, mean, I was very keen on history at, uh, at, uh, at school and uh, I always wanted to do it at university, but I think I was too interested in the military stuff because um, I never really translated that uh, interest into success at uh, examinations. I mean, I used to pass them, but it wasn't good enough to read at university. So anyway, it's, it's here in the background, but it's usually history. It, and then once the history comes along, you know, you start looking at novels and, and films and everything. So it's a sort of multimedia inspiration, really. Um, and it's good if the history can be back, backed up with other things, because that gives you the visual as well. And it's a very visual hobby. Um, so you have to have the look of the thing as well. Absolutely. So, um, Andy, I recently I this is kind of embarrassing. And, you know, as a Brit, you'll find it especially embarrassing. It's only been very recently that I have discovered my interest for War of the Roses. I uh, had a really superficial knowledge of the War of the Roses. Yeah. Uh, and then started to dig into a couple of books on it. I was like, wow, you know, this is this is incredible. You know, and I went to the it club is. and I started I started telling guys, I'm like, hey, do you do you know how awesome this is? And everybody's like, yeah, Greg, yeah. we 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 know about the War of the Roses. <laughs> You're like the last person to discover the War of the Roses. Yeah. Um, and this is how I found your most recent rule set. Uh, never okay. mind the bill hooks. And yeah. we'd love to talk about that a, a little bit because I, sure. I have I've read the game and I'm looking forward to actually giving it a try on the tabletop. And as the as the designer, I'd love to know, as you were working on that particular game. Yeah. Um, what was one of the biggest design challenges that you faced when when you were trying to put that rule set together? Was there a, a sticky spot that kept hanging you up in playtesting? Um, no, the basic mechanisms came along, worked, were pretty, pretty well set from early on. They all seemed to work, just a tinkering with the fine stuff. The, 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 the thing about Bill Hooks, Bill Hooks was created as a, res, as a response to two sets of similar size sort of skirmishy medieval war games rules that I played and really didn't like. And I'll, they'll be nameless because some people do like them, obviously. Uh, but I didn't like them. And I wanted to come up with something that drew on as many successful tried and tested mechanisms that I could so that people would be able to play it instinctively. So the cards and the hit dice and the save dice and all that, well, D6s and all that sort of stuff. Uh, it's, it's, it's a cocktail. It's not an original game rule set. There may be the odd thing here and there in it that's that's original, but I think the mixture is the is is, is the is is the is is the original thing. You know, I haven't invented a new beverage. I've just mixed a few together and got something that uh, uh, seems to hit the spot with people. So I'm you know I'm quite pleased with that. And I've drawn on well 50 years of 
you know, playing around with war games. If I find if I find a mechanism that works, even if it was written fifty years ago, there's no reason not to use it again. If the A bus don't fix it, we couldn't agree more. Yeah, I mean, in my early de- my early days, I was a dreadful for coming up with quirky, odd mechanisms that I thought were very clever, but nobody could remember from one game to the next. And uh, you have to give people things they're familiar with. And they'll 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 pick it up and run with it then, but um, anyway, that's 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 the thing you learn as you get older. Uh, so um, Bill Hooks is very much a traditional game. There's very, very anyone playing war games in the last thirty or forty years will find things that think, oh, I remember that looks a bit similar to such and such, and it may well be. Um, I won't say I've lifted them automatic because people say, oh, that's a bit that was a bit similar to such and such set of rules. So, so well, it may well be, but I've never seen or played them, so we must be drawing on similar sorts of traditions. Uh, or, you know, great minds think alike, you know, so. I, I am curious to pick up on something you said at the beginning of your answer when you, you said that Bill Hooks was a response to a couple of games that you didn't enjoy. And yes. without without naming names, uh, as a designer, what what are some mechanics that, that you found that you didn't enjoy? Are there things in a game you don't like? Um, I'd like a bit of friction in games, but I don't like too much friction. Um, like there was this one particular rule set uh, to activate units you had to roll dice and get a certain score and Mm -hmm. that sounds easy enough Uh, but the trouble is the way the wretched dice goddess works you would you would find that the same unit would fail to activate for half a dozen moves in a row and it gets really frustrating Um, the other thing I didn't like I don't like things on the side of the table that you have to refer to or move things around on. I think the things you move around are the toy soldiers. That's the pleasure of the game rather than looking at charts and tables on the other side of the table and fiddling around with counters there. I think you've got enough to do with moving the toys around and rolling the dice. So that that were two things. And you you might be able to recognize the games from that, but uh, those were things that um, put me off. I believe and we I played just... one last Monday, didn't we, Greg? Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I believe we did. But there are actually, there are a lot of games that use the yeah. dice yeah. to activate mechanic. And I have to yeah, admit, yeah. I'm, I'm not a particular fan of that either. It's always struck me as a bit uninteresting as a player. You know, it's, yeah. it kind of removes the tension from your control as a player. Like, well, the dice will yeah, tell absolutely. me if I can move this unit or not. Yeah, yeah. Well, you have a similar effect. You have a similar effect with the card sequence in Bill Hooks because... The last card in the pack is never is never draw is never drawn. Mm-hmm. Now the dice goddess may will it that the same the same leader card comes up as the last card in the pack two or three times in a row. But um, that happened at the Battle of Tewkesbury to um, Lord Wenlock, I believe. He 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 failed to activate and got his brains knocked out by a fellow commander for being inactive. But I suspect he he just failed to draw the right card in the right sequence you know so there's nothing in bill hooks that happens that didn't happen in the wars of the roses and although even there you, know, you come up with things that you think are impossible but you know we had a get we had a we had a mini convention yesterday in derby there was about we had 18 games in um in um six hours um people playing against each other and even they, there were things coming up there even after all the playtests and all the games that i thought were impossible um, for example, one game ended in a draw because we had a we had a conflict between uh, two battles led by the respective commanders in chief, and uh, neither of them uh, consented to fight a duel with each other, which is a possibility in Bill Hogs. So they they just slugged it out, 
and each side inflicted sufficient casualties that they had to roll saving dice to the leaders, and both leaders got killed at the same time, uh, and that ended the battle. So, I, you know, I thought, that's surely, I've never, had, I've never seen that before. I never even considered the possibility, but, you know, this happened, and that's great. So I'm always, I've always got surprises, even from my own game, so that's good. And I'm no good at I can't win it. I, I usually lose, you know, which is a good sign, actually. Uh, so, Andy, the the rule mechanics, you've probably dealt with many of them over the years, and you've yeah. uh, mentioned about blending and stuff. Is there one that seems to stick with you through different games that you kind of, uh, not your trademark, but you just feel like it's it's got a lot of uses and you find ways to use it in different rule sets? The, um, the disorganization, the D points in... Uh, Loose files and American scrambles is a useful mechanism because mm -hmm. uh, it's it's universal. It can it can it can apply to anything. You know? a D could be a, a deaths or disorders or demoralizations or you know all sorts of things. Really, it just means that the unit's less less effective than it used to be. And um, some things can be rallied off, and some things are permanent. You know? But mm -hmm. that, that was a neat little mechanism. Oh, I, and that, that was that was derived from a, something in an, in somebody else's game. So I, you know, claiming any great uh, originality for that. But um, yeah, that was that was quite good. Um, but I say I, I'm I'm I don't look upon myself as an innovator. I'm I'm a more of a sort of uh, like I say a sort of cocktail cocktail way uh, chef really. You know, putting things together. Occasionally, the thing is, I've been I've been reading and writing rules for so long that I can't really remember whether something was mine or I got it from somewhere else, you know. Um, <laughs> it, it's very hard. I mean, you know, I, I, am, I amuse, by, you know, I, I go to thrift shops and buy board games just to see if there's a, an interesting little mechanic in, in it, you know, and then, you know, it's cheaper than buying a magazine. And if I don't like it, I chuck it away. And there's, there's often a few useful bits in them, you know, so that's quite good. But it really, you know, I, I don't, I, it, we, we Brits don't do... Uh, blowing our own trumpet but it's not false modesty I don't, I don't think there's anything particularly earth-shattering I've ever come up with but you know Bill Hooks is unusual because it's the first one of my games possibly apart from Loose Files that's got any sort of uh, wide attraction I mean most of my games I just write for a little group of pals that I've been playing war games with for about 40 years now um, mm. and they usually they often don't go any further I used to publish a lot in the war games magazines in England in the uh 80s and 90s um but that was when i was desperate to get some extra cash but you know financially things have improved so I, you know I, I decided i didn't i stopped bothering really but uh, i was still producing but just not um putting it out there um bill hooks those gone global in a, in a sort of modest way i suppose uh the facebook page got about 1600 members which i know is a sort of you know about one percent of the average cat cat picture on Facebook, but you know it's it's still not bad. By wargaming standards, I would say that's actually very good. <laughs> I would love to uh, Andy pick up on uh, the rule set that you just mentioned there before Bill Hooks Loose Files and American yeah. Scramble. That is a game that we've been playing quite a bit of recently oh, at our club uh, because of a, um, a project that we're working on for the Battle of Brandywine oh, yeah. and. Um, I'd love to just take a, a foray to talk about loose files for a minute. Okay. So that was back in the in the late eighties. You if you wrote that, I think it was the first ever issue of War Games Illustrated. Yes, it was. It was an issue number one. So it's got a little little sidebar saying AWI rules by Andy Callan on it. So that was quite good. So I also had a, a rule set in uh, number three hundred. So I'm hoping to still be around for number five hundred. That'd be quite good. <laughs> 
really pushing your luck there. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, we, 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 you know, you never know. <laughs> uh, I, I find it very interesting that all these years later, I mean, 1987 in wargaming terms is like generations ago because games yeah. are so disposable now, you know, yes. a new game comes up and people play it. And then literally like six months to a year later, nobody's playing that game anymore. Yeah. And yet Loose Files and American Scramble still has a very active following. People are still yes. playing that game. So what, yes. what, what do you have any sense of what it is about that game that has kept the momentum all these years later? How has it survived this long? No, if I knew, if I knew the answer to that, I'd be writing rules like that every, every six months or so, wouldn't I? But it's, it's, it, it's, it's a bit like with Bill Hooks. It, it's somehow it just hits a sweet spot and, you can't predict how it's going to be. I mean, I think, I think the thing about loose files is, is that it's anybody who reads about the American war of independence realizes that the Hollywood version just ain't true. And that the Brits weren't just stupid pipe clayed redcoats marching around like automata being shot down by Davy Crockett lookalikes. They were actually pretty handy guys. Once they got past the, you know, once they got past the stage of um, got past the sort of Bunker Hill stage, that they 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 shook things out and uh, got to be just as good as operating in the uh, American terrain as as, as the locals. Um, the thing was, there weren't there weren't enough of them, and uh, uh, the British government never backed them up. But I mean, you know, governments never back troops up with the, with the, with enough resources to do the job they sent them to do. So it was it was quite a uh, first of many, really. But the game itself. No, it's lots of things happen. You, it's lots of things keeping the, the commanders busy. They're constantly trying to rally the troops and sort them out. And the terrain gets in the way. And um, you have two different styles, really, don't you? With the Brits, they've got this bayonet charge, which is very scary to anybody who hasn't got a bayonet. Um, and uh, yeah, but they, they usually end up losing, you know, so many men that it's, uh, you know, they can't carry on taking those sort of things so no I, if i knew how if i knew why it was so successful i'd be writing more like it but it's just you know just 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 luck really or, or a mixture of luck and judgment but i'm, I'm delighted to see it. it's still uh, it's still being used um so it's great in fact it's the only it's the only set of war rules that war games illustrated ever republished um and of course uh, back in the day you know once it was in the magazine for one issue that was it, it was gone forever uh, but at least it gets a, a, a bit of a wider traction these days. Um, uh, it is 40 years ago, so for goodness sake, don't ask me any detailed questions about it because I, I'm not sure I could remember now. I do have a working theory on what, why it remains so popular. And my, my two-part theory to that is that, number one, there are surprisingly few rules designed for that period. You know, World yeah. War II, you can find 100 different games, but... Yeah. AWI, it's really only a handful of games. So when you search for that now, if you go on Google and you know, just type it in, you're not going to get a whole lot of games. And I also think that Loose Files was really ahead of its time in that it's extremely, extremely short, which you know makes sense. It's a magazine article, but you know the, the world that we're in now, games have been getting shorter, figure counts have been getting lower. And I yeah. think that that's, that's really tapping into something where people are like, oh, yeah, a three-page game. Uh-huh, yeah, I want to play a yeah. three-page game. Yeah, 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 that's true. It's true. I mean, 
text expands to fill the space available, doesn't it? I mean, you know, and that typical rule set now has got you know, dozens of pages and lots of glossy photos, you know. Um, probably Bill Hooks 2 will, will go a bit that way, but, uh, you know, that's just the way of the world. Um, it also, I mean, both loose files and Bill Hooks, you know, really can be boiled down to about two pages of, uh, uh, of text, which is certainly all I used to work with before, before I had to explain it to a wider audience. Um, but the thing about, I suppose the difference between Bill Hooks and uh, Loose Files is that, is that um, l- people have been playing Loose Files for 40 years and, uh, you know, they haven't really um, had to change it to. I'm sure you'll, you'll all be tinkering with it and make little changes here and there, but, you know, um, at least I haven't had 40 years of people emailing me by saying, what do you mean by that, you know? Which is how it's been a bit with uh, with Bill Hooks. Mm-hmm. It's my first introduction to the the the, uh, the full horrors of Facebook, and something's coming in every you know at the start. Something's coming in every couple of hours or so. It's driving me up. Well, anyway, you know, it's all been interesting. Been interesting. Well, we certainly have done a little bit of tinkering, haven't we, Tom, with loose files? Oh, we have. We have. That's true. We we, well, we had this. a unique situation with running Brandywine for the American Battlefield Trust, players who had never played war games are very limited. Oh, yeah. And we had to get it done. We had to film it and get it done in an in a afternoon. So there was a little yeah. bit of the input there. But it stood the yeah. test of time quite well. I mean, it really Well, that's a- good. That's good. I mean, I wouldn't expect it to, to survive without uh, completely untouched. And uh, I'm sure you've come up with improvements. So, so it's good. But it's, it's just good to know it's still out there being used, giving people pleasure after all these years. It is. Well, we want to we want to thank you for, you know, thank you for your contributions and in, in putting it together all those years ago, because I think it's it's stood up uh, remarkably well 40 years on. And you can't say that for too many war games. <laughs> That's true. It's an early example of asymmetric warfare. Actually, you've got two different styles. And that was that was what was attracting me at the time. Uh, that was what I was interested in at the time. I did a, I did a game about. The wars against the Maoris that the, the Brits did in the in the mid mid eight meet mid 19th century and that was very interesting because it was it was almost like uh <clears throat> us and the Viet Cong because the Maoris used to hunker down in these bunker-like fortresses and the 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 Brits would have all the all, all the men and the firepower but they, they, they found it very difficult to winkle them out of these things so that, that was and of course you know once they got they got in with the bayonet the Maoris would just slip away into the undergrowth and it was it was it, it, it was it was very like a sort of you know 19th century Tet offensive but anyway there you go so that was that was that was one of the lead-ins to loose files. You uh, you mentioned being on social media now and how you know crazy it is on Facebook because people can just reach out to you instantly yeah. and ask questions, yeah. and that's yeah. certainly our new new world that we're all living in. Uh, in in that uh, indoctrination process for you and your introduction to Facebook, have you heard um, have you heard any complaints or uh, criticisms of of Bill Hooks and just generally speaking, does does critical player feedback bother you as a game designer or how do you handle that? Um, I can honestly say I haven't had any criticisms at all of Bill Hooks. The only thing that people don't like is the um, commander's dual mechanism which is uh, you ro- you you roll you fight three rounds of rock scissors paper and so it's the people some people don't like it some people love it some people don't like it and i point out well you know it's no different to rolling dice but some people won't do it. they're happy to roll dice 
They're not happy to play rocks as a baby. And that's okay. And I, I give that as a, as an, as a, as a, as a, an option. Um, I did when a couple of years ago, three or four years ago, I, I worked with the, 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 the artist, Peter Dennis, uh, who's a friend of mine on, he did some paper soldiers. He did the books on paper soldiers for a company called Helion. And, um, we did an American War of Independence one, and uh, I'm doing the rules for it. He does the paper soldiers, I do the rules in the book, so it's a full package. And um, I did the AWI set. It was targeted at people who hadn't played war games before. So I, you know, I took a few things from loose files and a few things from others, and I put it in the book. And I got one review was absolutely scathing because he says it's a complete waste of time. I was expecting, uh, you know, a reworked version of. Um, uh, loose files and it's gone backwards and I really hate it. I thought, well, you know, that wasn't on the, what it said on the tin, really. But, you know, uh, I was quite taken aback by that. And but so but, no, I'm, I'm very thin skinned. But uh, fortunately, as I say, I haven't had any any real uh, any real criticisms as, uh, of Bill. It's not that not people have made to my face on Facebook anyway. But I'm sure they I'm sure. Obviously, the thing is, I think they produced about 11,000 copies of this thing to go with the magazine. So let's assume that, you know, 10,000 went straight in the bin without being looked at. Uh, but, you know, there may be a few still out there. So, uh, and as I say, in terms of the Facebook, there's, there's at least 1,600 bill hookers out there in the world, and maybe maybe more. It's come along at a difficult time because of COVID, of course, that mm -hmm. um, War Games Illustrated would have liked to have pushed it at more, you know, War Games shows and conventions and things, but we just haven't had them. Um, and that's just about picking up again. So hopefully uh, when, when the book comes out later in this year, hopefully that might give it a new, new lease of life. That'll open up even more uh, potential for criticism, of course, because we're moving into different historical areas. And people are bouncing. Why haven't you included rules for such and such and such and such? Yeah, okay. The thing about Bill, uh, Wars of the Roses is there's, hard, there's, like, you know, there's only half a dozen troop types at most. So it's pretty easy, really. You don't have to cater for all these strange exotic creatures that you might get in uh, in other parts of the world. So that, that made things easier. So, <clears throat> Andy, when you when you sit down with a blank sheet of paper and think about writing a new rule set, uh, yep. what gets you the most excited about it? I mean, what's the process you you kind of follow that gets you through it? Uh, well, there's a lot of there's a lot of ideas dashed down quickly. Um, and then it's it's the, it's the it's the refining everything down that's the most interesting. Mm -hmm. um, working out, yeah, that works. That doesn't quite work. Now get rid of that, and then converting it into unambiguous English is uh, what I quite like doing. I mean, that was that was uh, that was my university degree, English, and uh, I've always liked words and playing with words and. Uh, trying to come up with something that uh, is, gets the point pithily and shortly and is incapable of being uh, interpreted in more than one way. So, I mean, that's virtually impossible, of course, but that's what, that's what I enjoy doing. Uh, and that was quite good with the Helion books because, uh, as I said before, the, the, the design brief was to write rules for people who hadn't played war games before. And that's, you know, you really do have to spell things out and be... Um, be unambiguous and that was that was quite enjoy enjoyable and i'm sure it's benefited my uh, my rule writing since then if that's your favorite part of the process um 
What's your least favorite part? Because I, I think every game designer that we've ever talked to has something about it, whether it's the copy editing or the play testing. Everybody has a phase that they just don't care for as much. Do you have one? Um, anything to do with army lists. I hate anything to do with army lists <laughs> because, you know, every battle was different. And um, if you're the sort of player who's trying to come up with a perfect, perfect army to suit the the little nooks, the little tweaks in the rules, then you're not the sort of player I want to play games with. You know, I want somebody who just says, oh, yeah, I'll have a typical army, you know, of the time. And, you know, I'm not going to, for example, you couldn't, you, you know, and if I, if I, you might have somebody who wants to play billhooks with an, with an army in, made up entirely of men at arms, you know, and, it's, you know, it just didn't happen, mate. So, you know, if you're going to do that, you know, you're in the wrong game. Go and play something else. But um, I think army lists are just too restrictive. They're either because, you know, people took what they could get. You know, you weren't picky about who they had. Um, this is very interesting with the, with the, when we go into the Renaissance in, in, in Bill Hooks too, because definitely there, I mean, they took anybody. They were mercenary. You were hiring mercenaries from all over the place. And you, you can't say what a typical army list was. I mean, you know, Henry VIII had, we had Albanians on the Scotch border, for example. You know, how can you how can you write army lists for that? So, anything to do with army lists—that's what I don't like, and I try and avoid it. Yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> have you ever fallen in love with a rule mechanic that you've come up with that just didn't work out during playtesting? That yeah, I did. I did. I did. I got very interested in eighteenth, uh, early nineteenth century naval warfare. Uh, and war games rules and uh, rapidly came to the conclusion that um, uh, Nelson spoiled it for everybody because he came up with a way of fighting uh, naval battles that threw all the previous rules out of the window. And of course, anybody from Brits or otherwise who reads about, you know, naval warfare under sail always thinks that the way Nelson did was the obvious way to do it because why, why wouldn't you do it any other way? Mm -hmm. And what I concluded fairly soon was that it was all down to signalling, really, um, that um, uh, 18th century commanders were desperately trying to impose their will on, on, on their fleets. And they tried to do it through signals. The trouble is they didn't have the vocabulary to do it. Uh, they only had a limited range of uh, flag signals that... Uh, may or may not have been visible in all the smoke of battle and the way that the, the, uh, the ships were aligned. And um, so that was, I thought that was going to be interesting, make a game based on signaling. So I had a little game with uh, a little mechanic with uh, uh, little flag signals that you could make. And I thought it was quite nice. But of course, nobody else liked it. They said, oh, no, I don't want to, don't want to be bothered with this. So let's, get in, let's get on with uh, firing guns at each other. So, you know, that, that, that didn't last very long. Um, and uh, and it's just it's, it's still there, it's still gathering dust. Uh, so it, instead of the Nelson touch, I called it the Bing touch, and that's what happened to Admiral, poor old Admiral Bing. He was trying to get his fleet to do something, and they they couldn't work out what he had in mind. So you know he got shot for his pains. So that, I've a lot of sympathy with him. Really, he was he was trying to do his best, but uh, you know. So anyway, that that didn't work. So anyway, we moved on, and now I get a very very similar effect by telling people if they want to give a signal they've only got they can only use they can only use six words that's the best you can do and um if there's any ambiguity i let the opposing admiral interpret it 
and move the ships accordingly. <laughs> and that seems to work. That's very cruel, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I know you mentioned, Andy, that you you find inspiration in, in other games, uh, in yeah. sort of putting together cocktails. I think that's true for, for yeah. many of us. Um, yeah. can, you, can you recall a, a mechanic from another game at any point in your long career doing this that you really loved and admired, then you thought, God, you know, damn, I wish I had thought of that. You know, that is just a brilliant little idea. Uh, I thought um, Crossfire by Artie Cunliffe was very good. That was very, very uh, simple, neat, instinctive mechanisms. Oh, it was very, very clever. And I was very impressed with that. Um, anything by Sam Mustafa is worth looking at. He's, he's incredibly prolific. Um, sometimes he's, he's a bit too clever for me, but, you know, uh, uh, it's always worth looking at. But no, I think I think Crossfire was really good. Um, Wally Simon was very good as well he, with the car-driven stuff. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, yeah, those, those, those are three. I mean, that's they're, they're three things in, you know, recent decades that uh, that uh, that I've that I've uh, taken inspiration from and thought, yeah, wish I'd done that. But, you know. We just played Crossfire, right? I mean, it was a, a couple of weeks ago at the club, and that's a, that's another one I'll put in the same camp as you know your game, Loose Files and American yeah. Scram. It's an old game that yeah, yeah. still yeah. has a very strong following because there's yes. you know it has some really interesting mechanics in it that have yes. just never yeah. been replicated. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So when you're taking a look at a new game, uh, what level of engagement do you like to come at it from a uh, field marshal or sergeant? I mean, what's both both to design and how do you like to play as well? Um, I, certainly to play, I prefer something in the middle. I haven't got the eye for fine detail uh, for the uh, really small level skirmish things. And um, uh, when I'm commanding in a big game and, you know, in the group I play with, we do big games, we do huge Napoleonic games with, you know, 1,200 figures aside on them. They're massive. And uh, they always make me the army command because I'm just like a rabbit startled in the headlights. There's just too much going on for me. I just can't cope with it. And uh, I've been playing games like this with the same group of players for long enough to know, to know exactly what's going to be happening about three or four hours later. I think well, that flank's going to crumble. You know, I can't do anything about it. I haven't got enough command uh to, to deal with that so um i, I I'm, a, I'm a good i'm a good i'm a good brigadier i think when it comes to playing games but anything bigger or smaller i i, I tend to uh, i tend to crumble i don't have that i don't have a chess brain i'm afraid but uh, uh when it comes to designing games it's just different matter really i mean i've i have done small level skirmishes i think as like i said you know the very first set of rules I did was a, 14 was it was it was it was a small level skirmish but I uh I've done uh, anything up to army level yeah um it just depends what seems to attract me at the time so I can I can do it turn my hand to anything but I can't play at a, at a anything much better than a brigade or division level given your somebody long... wants, I think I think I think Phil Barker once said that that uh the optimum number of units you can have on, on a tape uh, that your commander can cope with is 12. And uh, that's about right. I think it seems to me, I can just about cope with that, but anything else, uh, it really throws me. Um, given your long career in designing games, Andy, uh, I'm curious as to 
what kind of ongoing obligation do you feel that an author and a game designer has to keep sort of answering questions and coming back to offer support for their rules, you know, years well, after the fact? When does that end or does it ever end for you? Um, well, I mean, the, the thing is, most of the rules I've done in the past have just been, you know, post them in a magazine, fire and forget. Uh, and uh, the possibility for feedback was, you know, it just wasn't there uh, back in the day. I mean, it is now. And um, I suppose with Bill Hooks, uh, there is a, there, there will be an ongoing um, obligation. Um, certainly, certainly, Wargames Illustrated, you know, want to keep having articles every month or two just to keep just to keep the, the pot boiling. Um, but it seems to me that if the game is successful, then players of the game should be able to come up with new scenarios or you know little extensions to it to, to suit themselves they shouldn't have to really wait insist on being spoon-fed by, by the by the original author i mean especially if the original author's got no financial interest in in in, in, in pursuing this and uh, believe me i don't write rules to make any money it just doesn't work like that uh, so it always amazes me actually we, we had this show thing yesterday at uh, uh hobby a hobby place in in um in Derby near here, and uh, we had the bill hookers up. The old, the old bill hookers upstairs were all about forty plus. Then downstairs, there were all these teenagers and younger guys playing these unbelievable range of boxed, high quality, amazing production value games that I'd never heard of. I thought, crisis. Who is putting the money into these things? Who is paying for all these things? You know, it's a completely different world to me. Uh, so, you know, somebody's making money out of it. Uh, that certainly ain't me. But, you know, I'm in it for the, uh, what am I in it for? Yeah, but for, for the glory, I suppose. It's, not, it's very nice. It's nice <laughs> to have people say nice things about you. That's, you know, that's pretty good. Of course, if somebody came along and said, this is, this is fantastic, we want to do a tie-in with such and such, then, I, you know, I wouldn't say no. But you know, I'm not, I'm not uh, I've, got no, I've got no illusions about that. So what do you see is if you look at the current landscape and you see games come out and, and uh, what's what do you see as the main trend in current war games? And, uh, you know, do you think that's a good thing or a gimmick, depending on? Well, the main the main trend is 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 um, small games with very well painted figures. I mean, mm -hmm. back in the day, the way to go was to have huge armies of basic paint jobs. Um, but there's only so much time anybody can put into the hobby. So you want to, and, and, and the, the, the visual uh, standards have risen so much because of, because of uh, what people can see in, in magazines and online now that people want to be able to produce reasonably good looking, uh, good looking figures, certainly in this country. And um, that way it means, you know, it's going to take you two or three months even to put a smallish force together. So um, the days of, uh, you know, the big, the big old battles with hundreds of figures in it, uh, seem to be gone, but I think it. Uh, you know, I'm sounding like a right old fart here, but you know, it's it's a short attention span, really. People want something new and shiny that they can play with for a couple of months and then move on to the next thing, um, which uh, you know is, isn't really what interests me. I'm, I'm more more in it for the long term, but you know, that's just the way of the world. There's no point bemoaning it. Uh, is there a a period or a war that? you've always found interesting that you wish you could write a game for, but maybe don't feel like you have enough historical knowledge to do it justice. Is there anything that's been kind of 
boiling in the back of your mind. I don't think it's the historical knowledge, because, you know, these days it's very easy to to, 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 to do research. Um, you know, back in back, I go. Sorry, I keep saying this phrase, don't I? Back in the day, I mean, back in the day, you had to go to libraries and get books out. You know, these days you can Google anything and find it, and go down all sorts of interesting tracks. So I don't, I don't think it's the historical knowledge that, that's the, the problem. It's uh, it's a sort of there's a sort of morality, sort of twisted morality thing. I'd like to do a First World War game, but I've tried several times, and I get so far, and I think. No, it's just it's just a god awful mess with people dying for no good reason. And uh, uh, I had two grandfathers who both served in the British Army in the First World War, so maybe that's puts me off. That and the fact that I can't have trenches that sink below table level. I'd hate all these things where you have banked up trenches sitting on the tabletop. Um, the other thing I don't, I just personally don't have any interest in anything outside Western civilization, really. Um, so anything Asiatic or, uh, you know, I'm not really, I can't really work up any interest in anything, anything uh, east of Poland really sort of uh, turns me off. I'm... <laughs> no samurai <laughs> could be, for you. Huh? the same could be said of the Germans, but that's not true, is it? So, you know, anyway. So you, uh, you mentioned, I think, uh, board games when you were talking about the younger fellows at, at the club yeah. recently. So do you play any board games yourself? Um, yeah, we, I've got I've got I've got two two gaming groups that I I, I meet with. There's a, there's a group of I say these people I've been playing with for about forty years, and we meet up you know three or four times a year if that. And then there's a more small local group. I'm like you know we'll play anything. We'll play uh, children's games or just for us a change really. They're quick to set up and you know uh, they, they 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 can be fun you know. And uh, sometimes we dust off the old uh, you know M and B board board games from the eighties with lots of lots of uh, plastic bits in you know like. Uh, Space Crusade, all that sort of stuff, you know, and they, they can be fun, you know, to roll a few dice with. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty eclectic in what I'm prepared to do, and also, you know, board games. They, like I say, I, I haunt thrift shops to come up with board games and just to see if there's a mechanism in there, or you know, mm-hmm. I can use. We've talked a lot in this conversation about about Bill Hooks because I, you know, that's your most recent game, yeah. um, and Loose Files, a game that yeah. uh, we've been doing a lot in our club. But I am curious. Uh, are there? You've written a lot more than those two, and I would love oh, to yeah. hear. I would love to hear your. It's it's hard to pick a favorite child, but if you had to tell someone listening to this conversation, hey, here's a here's a game that we haven't mentioned yet that you wrote that you think is a really good representation of your work. That's a favorite of yours. What uh, what would be one or two of those? Uh, I also I also write roles for a company called Wofun in Romania who who produce printed plastic versions of uh, Peter Dennis's uh, Paper Soldiers. Um, and they did a Trafalgar set recently. So we, they said they produced in 2D plastic the, the entire, both fleets at Trafalgar. So 60 ships plus smaller vessels. And I got set a set of, set of these for my pains uh, for doing some rules for them. Um, and we, you know, I was at a friend's house. He's got a big table, 15 feet long, way about eight feet. I said, hey, we, we could fit all these ships on this table and do the entire Battle of Trafalgar. And he said, yeah, but we haven't really got any rules for it. All the rules are for sort of six ships aside. I said, no, that's right. So over lunch, I wrote a set of rules for the Battle of Trafalgar. Ooh, and lunch. we went on and played it. <laughs> yeah, we went on and played it. And uh, uh, I had to chuck everything out the window. Everything I knew about you know rules for naval warfare, chuck it out the window and started from scratch and of course it's a bit easy because 
Trafalgar's for the British was a bit like shooting fish in a barrel. You know, the, the, the Allied fleet was pretty useless. They could barely, you know, walk and chew gum, could they? But, you know, uh, anyway, we did this game. We did the entire Battle of Trafalgar with all the ships in an hour and a half. And it was great. So that was good. So I'm, I'm going to convert that into, a, you know, my one page, uh, super simplistic uh, Napoleonic naval game. And then another one I did in the last couple of years was um, uh, Marlborough era battles. Um, uh, using Jenga blocks to represent the troops. So I, I have a, you know, a, a terrain mat and uh, all the, you know, buildings and everything were made out of wood. So they were little village models that you get in toy shops. And just, and then the, the Jenga blocks represented the troops. And they looked a bit, they looked very like, uh, you know, traditional maps of, uh, of, the, of the actions. But mm-hmm. they, they've got a nice tactile thing to them. And I was pushing them around with, with um, like um, you know croupiers things at at uh, at, uh, right. at, at um, casinos you could you could push actually physically push them around and then nice they slid across the table quite nicely so that's that's one that may see that may that's one that may see the light of day um, in future I hope so well, I'd love to hear that one because I I, I keep looking at uh, Pendragon you know Marlboro era figures. Yeah, in between other projects, but I just love to play the period first before I yeah. invest in in the figure painting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you you, you can you can what you can knock up a couple of uh, Jenga armies in, in an afternoon. That's pretty sure. good. <laughs> <laughs> so that sounds like two projects that you're working on right now. Yeah. Um, do you have do you have other projects that are in your pipeline now? And are you are you the kind of designer who, who likes to focus on one at a time, or are you? always have a, a bunch of kind of irons um, in the fire uh yeah one at a, i would say one at a time really i mean build hooks is still occupying my attention because we, 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 we we're producing that in in book form hopefully by the end of this year but that's extending the period to take in 100 years war to um italian wars in uh, early early renaissance and everything in between in western europe so that, that's that's keeping me quite busy at the moment um and it's going to keep me busy after it's published because I'm sure, as I said before, people are going to start coming back with even more questions about why. What do you mean by that, and why haven't you included that sort of thing? So that's that's going to keep you. I can see that keeping me busy for at least another six months. But after that, who knows? I don't know. I don't know. What, I'm a bit of a butterfly. I do flip from one thing to the other. But so you know, I don't know what's going to what, don't know what's going to catch my attention next. What's um, uh, what's that process been like? Kind of taking the magazine article, which I've read, and it's it's fairly short and it's it's, yeah. it's concise and it's tight. You know what what has that been like? Turning that into a into a book, and what level of um, as the game designer, like, are you are you able to weigh in on sort of the artistic look of the book, or what what's your level of involvement been in that? process uh well no the artistic side the artist the photographic side is all down to the uh the people at war games illustrated um my my impact's purely um editorial and uh you know verbal um but uh i've had to, to a, a small team of people from uh elsewhere in europe you know doing the, do, doing their own national um adaptation of the of the so you know the the hussite chapter was done by a guy in, in Bohemia, you know, in, in, in Czech Republic. Uh, got a guy in France, we've got a guy in Ireland doing, doing something. So that's got good. But, you know, I, I have to exercise very strict uh, editorial control on that because, uh, you know, I will know what will work within the, within the game mechanisms and without, you know, you can always introduce something new that's going to have unintended consequences and may 
and make may break the games. But that it's been interesting to see uh, other people um, bringing their own ideas to it. I just have to rein them in a bit now and again, but it's been good. Well, I, yeah. I did want to call attention to something. I was going through your rules over the last couple of days. And um, my question to you is, when's the last time you played ACW Riverine rules? I, I was looking... <laughs> oh, probably about, uh, oh, about 30 years ago, I think. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, the Noddy I, rules. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking yeah. at them right now, and uh, yeah, Noddy uh, is Noddy is an English Noddy is an English children's book character. Oh no, kidding! Yeah, yeah. Well, so that's, I love that's, how that's you the call the classes of guns: uh, baby yeah. size, mummy size, and daddy size. That's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I, I, you know, I, I look at I, I think I was looking at some ACW rules at the time, and you know, they had about 32 different possibilities of of gun, and I thought, oh crikey, I can't I can't expect people to to worry about that. <laughs> so that's that's where it comes from. And the three three uh, the three bears, Goldilocks and three bears, of course. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But they work. They work. Yeah, um, I would. I would certainly give them a try here. I haven't done so yeah. yet, but uh, they they fit on two pages. It looks like and uh, seem to cover all the yeah. issues. That's right. That's right. Yeah, because I mean, at the time, nobody knew what they were doing. It was all extemporized. They didn't have any you know, real tra tradition, naval traditions to draw on. It was all you know. Is this going to work? Is stuffing bales of cotton along the side of the ship going to make any difference? Don't know. Let's suck it and see, you know. <laughs> and the answer was no, by the way, no, for everyone right. listening. Yeah. It was no. <laughs> well, so uh, that, 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 was, that was one of the attractions about the period because nobody brought any preconceptions to it. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody who does, you know, World War II thinks they know about, you know, well, you know, a certain type of anti-tank gun had this sort of effect at, you know, a certain angle against a certain tank. Well, maybe, you know. But uh, there, nobody knew what they were doing, and that's quite good. Also, they can't challenge you there. They can't say, well, you know, you haven't taken into account such and such, have you? So that's good. Well, Andy, I really want to thank you for taking the time to, to join us. It's, it's morning here in the U.S., but I know it's afternoon in the U.K., and we want to It's a you... balmy afternoon. It's uh, 25 degrees at the moment, so that's pretty good. <laughs> pretty good for September in Nottinghamshire. Yes, hopefully you're indoors in the air conditioning. Uh, <laughs> For, for that kind of weather but uh yeah thanks thank you so much for the chat right, I'm, is... I'm sorry i'm sorry the uh, the visual technology broke down on us there but uh, i hope you've been able to make sense of my ramblings uh, i think i think everyone's going to enjoy hearing it and before we let you go it would be great uh, uh just to let our listeners know uh where they can get in touch with you or learn more about your games is there a, a place or a way for them well there, is, there isn't there isn't uh, there isn't a, a universal andy callan's war games um website or facebook page but there is the uh, never mind the bill hooks facebook page and you can message me through that if you have any questions about any of the dozens of rules i've, I've written over the years like i say i can't i can't pretend to know the answer to all the questions because i probably forgot it long ago but you know that's a good way of getting in touch and i do welcome hearing from people uh, wherever they may be and thank you for inviting me. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thank, thank you, you so okay. much. We'll, uh, hopefully we'll have the opportunity to do this again soon whenever the next game comes out, whether it's the one-page Trafalgar one, which sounds yep. very intriguing, by the way, uh, yep. or whatever project they uh, come up with. Okay. Good to speak to you both. Thank you. Bye for now. Did
Do-do-do-do. 